I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who holds space for any earthling as they reunite body and soul. I'm a bridge for relationships between all species so that the heart bond becomes stronger, deeper, and more loving. I serve in the roles of animal communicator, medium, and medical intuitive, and I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support all earthlings in their recovery from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. There was an interesting convergence of several topics for the podcast today, and my hope is that I'll be able to knit them together in a mostly cohesive way so that you all might be able to glean some insights that just now I'm being told will be like shiny things that appeal to crow when they go about their foraging duties, which, hey, you know, you could have been likened to a different species, certainly as, well, I don't know, a non-warm-blooded different form, such as a virus or a bacteria. The fact that it's crow is interesting in part because they're wicked smart as members of the corvid family. The same can be said for raven. Yet, unlike raven, our relative crow can tend to be, emphasis can choose more accurately, aligned with more of a trickster energy. They're known for forming long-term relationships with members of our species, And as it goes with any relationship, just because they're an animal doesn't mean that they're going to go along with your program, nor should they. That can only happen when the energy feels right for them. So if you're a human, say, that routinely hazes crow to get out of your crops or to get out of what you think of as your tree just because it falls within the boundary lines of your property, That perhaps means crow might bring more prank-type activities to your interactions with them, such as dropping acorns on your head when you leave the house, or maybe targeting the tractor seat that you use to plow your fields with an abundant source of bird poo. On the other hand, if your relationship with crow involves talking with them, making them part of your life, and noticing what's important to them, such as alternate sources of food, you will find yourself on the receiving end of gifts that certainly crow thinks are special and that they may have a tendency to hoard, truth be told. Items such as buttons, fancy pieces of ribbon or shiny string, or a piece of metal like the top of a pop can lid. I think the depth of relationship, like with all animals, is endless if you know where to look. Fun fact, here are the names for what we humans call a grouping of crow, starting off with the always perfectly acceptable word of flock. We may also say a group is a murder of crows, a mob of crows, and a horde of crows. Their species also includes jay and magpie, and the popular murder of crows started because the species is omnivorous as well as scavengers, so you might find them, way back when, around battlefields and cemeteries, with their associated contrast energy of transition. The second reason why it's interesting that crows should step forward is their illusion of the gifting of shiny things to you. The quick drive-by visual that went with that made reference to a quote by Joseph Campbell about knowing when you're on your path. Quote, If you can see your path laid out in front of you step by step, you know it's not your path. Your own path you make with every step you take. That's why it's your path. Which 
is also like feeling your way in a relationship at times, right? There's just enough information and energy present so that you feel somewhat confident about proceeding in the direction that you think you're going to proceed in should nothing change with the current situation at all. And then our human mind gets involved, or at least our concept of mind, with all of its overthinking and yada, yada, yada. And you know, I don't see it as a warning, this appearance by Crow, because of the feeling that went along with the visual. It was that the gifts from Crow, and certainly to be seen as metaphorical, felt like they had a tiny light bulb in all of them so that they were lit up from the inside. And so they acted like stepping stones. For instance, button could be about clothing, as in wearing something different than what you usually wear or a different color. It could also be about buttoning things up, as in finishing up projects. It could be about unbuttoning yourself and or your emotions, being less guarded with too many layers, etc. The most important thing, as per usual, is to seek the words that resonate with the feeling that you have when you see your gift or your next step on the path. It all goes just one step at a time, as the animals well know, and which for some of us humans can also be way too slow. Easy does it, I think. Each gift matters. And I think this is a very cool message for all of us to have from Crow. A second quote from Campbell came on the heels of the first, which brings the trickster energy back in a bit. Quote, all the gods, all the heavens, all the hells are within you. And here you thought Halloween was over. In truth, I think this is more owing to the season of winter fast approaching in the Northern Hemisphere, at least with its time of being dormant of introspection, and of making sure that you have what you need come spring so that everything will proceed as planned. Then again, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere and getting ready to welcome summer, you've already completed your season of introspection a while ago and have already sprouted new growth that's actually ready to come into full bloom. The important thing is the cycle, kids, and just honoring as you can where you're at in the cycle. The third part of Crow's partnering with us today is overwhelmingly about trickster energy, because they knew that I had been wanting to bring up the subject of AI for quite some time and to make sure that we did our due diligence as stewards and guardians for other species. They knew that in just talking about the letters AI, I think it's important to really consider all the implications of how AI might change everything quite a bit for quite a few species, given that it's something that the human animal creates. And this may or may not be a good thing. That depends on how our relationship with it grows, I think, just like with Crow. And what our intentions are for AI. As far as cycle goes, AI might be part of our evolution and of a shift in our species cycle overall. That's why I chose to title this podcast myself, (laughs) although I certainly could have had AI do it for me to differentiate that AI in this case doesn't mean animal intelligence, and specifically our human animal intelligence, or does it? Certainly humans are responsible now for creating AI platforms carry out certain tasks for us, such as saving time in the case of podcast streaming and what to use or how to use AI before publishing. According to experts in the field, the majority of our efforts are piecemeal at this point with several big corporations getting involved. You know who they are, Microsoft, Google, etc. And 
It's apparently a far cry from what could be in the future where AI acquires enough intelligence to write itself. In that case, we will have shifted to AGI, known as Artificial General Intelligence. This is apparently where AI has acquired most of the information that humans have. And as we know from our journey with spelling, there's a big difference between acquiring information, i.e. knowledge, and knowing how to use this information, i.e. wisdom. I'm aware because of doing research for my book that scientists are using AI in an attempt to decode the vocalizations of whale and their songs so that they might be translated into something meaningful for humans. What exactly that meaningful is, I'm not sure, and frankly, neither does whale. Their response to this project is something along the lines of, quote, the only one who needs to understand a whale song is another whale. In addition to that, and you all know by now how directly the animals roll, there's some sort of a snarky comment on how artificial could mean the same as human, as in the perception of whale, many of us are not being ourselves, so to speak, are not in alignment with our soul paths, either individually and definitely not as a collective. So the bottom line is that it's more of the same, just more difficult to manage. This last part makes me feel like there's some easiness on the part of the animals about AI. And as I said, that's why Crow is with us today, to represent that energy of our collective path together with AI. For sure, IQ is different than EQ, and perhaps we recognize that IQ and facts and logic, etc., were a heck of a lot easier to work with than the squishy EQ or emotional quotient. Or maybe we're trying to dodge the bullet emotionally with EQ and think that if our IQ is so far above everyone else's, we don't have to deal with EQ ever again. Because we're pretty big on control as a species, in case you all haven't noticed. So our intention with AI may indicate that we want more than ever a world, place that we perceive we can ensure the survival of our species above all others by focusing on our accumulation of knowledge. Because we're still convinced that the more we know, the better we'll be able to survive. At which point, Crow gives an excellent impression of an Aussie dog's head tilt, and their beautiful obsidian eyes glimmer just a bit extra in this moment, and I'm definitely seeing shades of the trickster energy that we attribute to Crow. Quote, it's not about what you know, they say. It's more about who you know, how you know them, how you know yourself with them together and separately, and how you apply that information to make everything between you and them better and more even. It seems that Crow is big on being equitable. They continue. All of that information can only come from the feedback loop known as soul in this lifetime, which manifests as emotions that all bodies give to their owners. For sure, yours does that as well, except that you're way more focused on how big your brains are compared to everyone else's when it's all about the part of you that you think doesn't exist because it has no mass as defined by physics. If that were true, why are whole countries united around one belief system of soul, and why do you insist that everyone's soul be the same as yours, both on earth and whatever happens after? I don't know about you all, but I definitely felt a shiver with that one. 
And, you know, as much as we try to push and shove and shift the design of unified duality on this planet, it is not going to change in any substantial way, except in our perception of reality, perhaps, of what defines human intelligence and how far we want to stray from our organic balance of yin and yang, of honoring the partnership between light and contrast. It's actually a perfect match for this planet. Turns out that the physical design of building a higher ivory tower for ourselves and our AI-ness may be more economically beneficial because of the agglomerations of diverse cultures. The latter, diverse cultures, a group, speaks for itself, and an agglomeration is a collection of things or a mass assemblage. Like an agglomeration of flamingo, and yes, they volunteered for that, which of course is not what we call a group of flamingos. The name for that is flamboyance, a flamboyance of flamingo. Although I have a hunch that flamingo wants to stay with an equally flamboyant name, which is why they came forward with agglomeration. But truth be told, I think to make us chuckle a bit in case this whole AI business is getting too serious. It is the opinion of humans who study other humans in our native habitat, who are called urbanists, because of course they are. We still need each other physically in order to be in the flow of energy. That's my inserted word. And what it has to offer. Per the New York Times article entitled, If Workers Stay Home, Serendipity Can Get Lost. With the definition of serendipity being, besides fun to say, the faculty or phenomenon of finding valuable or agreeable things not sought for. It was actually the unscripted, dare we say, minorly chaotic flow of our lives together, and that may just be the juice that we all need. The premise of the article was about a continuing conversation corporate America is having with its employees post-pandemic about how many days they should be in the office versus working from home. Like with AI, there were many benefits of staying at home during the pandemic, such as increased productivity, less travel time, more time with family, and there were just as many adjustments, or will be, with AI, perhaps. Like who gets to have their Zoom call take place at the dining room table, that's also doing duty as the online classroom, and the substitution for finger painting at daycare. And we managed most of us, more or less, and with new clusters springing up where there were none, and old clusters, even those of only two people, transitioning because it was their time. We just didn't know that. The article says that clustering together in a physical space, such as in a work office slash ivory tower, ideas can be shared that perhaps would never have seen the light of day before. They also say that the dynamic nature of cities is created by this ongoing clustering with people, bumping into other people, having conversations together that are seen as innovative to our overall flow of ideas that now feeds the economy. Where that is butting heads with workers and other humans is that urbanists are also saying that this spontaneous flow can't necessarily be planned for two or three days a week when one comes into the office to work, as in having planned serendipitous Tuesdays and Wednesdays, which is a bit silly, honestly, and kind of brings home the point that when humans lead with money, that is simply an external representation of the exchange of energy for goods and services. We tend to bring up polarizations as examples because we so want our point to be the one that wins. 
And the energy of ideas is what our economy is shifting to. And it remains to be seen whether the current economy of a free market in consumer goods and business services will fit in, if at all. To say the least, it's an interesting convergence. I love that word. This one flow of energy, if you will, that looks like water and feels like water and tastes like water, sort of, that being AI, and this other flow of energy that also tastes, looks, and feels like water, and are we sure that it's actually water water, capital W, or is it AI water, small w, which is how the animals are looking at it. The AI water might be sterilized and free from all sorts of bugs and bacteria that, although beneficial to most of the planet, the human animal, having intended for its use to be only for our species, don't see or more likely don't care to see how this non-water water is replacing water, slowly, a trickle at a time. And what happens when a convergence of, say, fresh water and salt water come together in a partly enclosed body of water, they form what's called an estuary, which is another lovely word to say out loud, estuary, that, quote, fuels some of the most productive ecosystems on Earth and also some of the most vulnerable. Continuing, an estuary with all of its dynamic stirrings has one attribute that promotes its own destruction. It traps sediment. When suspended mud and solids from a river enter the estuary, they encounter the salt front. Unlike freshwater, which rides up and over the saline layer, the sediment falls out of the surface layer into the denser, saltier layer of water, moving into the estuary. As it drops, it gets trapped and accumulates on the bottom. Slowly, the estuary grows muddier and muddier, shallower and shallower. Remember. We're talking about the element of water, which at least the salt water and the fresh water, both capital W's, have in common. Are we certain that we will be able to tell the difference between our intelligence, that according to Crow, we prize above all others, and artificial intelligence that we created? Just the other day, there was a Facebook posting from a page, fans of David Attenborough, that had a photo of moth with what was clearly the eyes of owl on its wings as camouflage. You may have seen the ways that other insects do that. Well, the posting itself was about how moth uses the eyes of snake as camouflage. Most commenters were quick to point out that those were owl eyes, and maybe it was meant as clickbait because in truth, the real photos of moth with the snake eye camouflage were far more scary than the AI-generated one. I thought to myself about what Sir Attenborough would think about having his name used in an effort to illuminate the ways of moth, good intention, yet with a photo of moth that doesn't exist anywhere in nature. How far down this road of AI are we willing to go in saying it's a good thing without also having to admit that it's not a good thing for other species with whom we share this planet? In checking back in with Crow, there's that glint in their eyes again of trickster energy that says it's TBD, apparently. Fingers and wings crossed, at least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Schedule online, go to lazanflynn.com. Come find me on social media, Facebook, X Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
I encourage you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, the starting date of courses in the Animals Eye View Academy, and online psychic fairs. The episodes of this podcast are available on my YouTube channel, complete with subtitles. You'll find that link in my podcast footer and be sure to subscribe. This has been the Animals Eye View Podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.